This is Scott Morey with the RE Insight Series sponsored by GPG Advisors, and we are honored today to have David Nethercutt, the President and Chief Executive Officer of Equity Residential, which is, if you don't know of them, clearly has been around for a long time, has an amazing history going back to being one of the first companies in SCP 500 for apartments back in 2001. Today, David, if my memory is correct, I think you've got just over 77,000 units, about 300 plus two properties, I believe, in about five or six kind of core markets. So I'm very honored to have you. I look forward to the conversation. I want to thank you again. It's my um, pleasure, Scott. I, I appreciate being asked to join you. Thank you. So with that, I kind of want to jump right into your background, and I, I spent some time trying to understand your background better, and I know you went to St. Lawrence University. I think you graduated in 79, but I actually want to go before that, and if you could talk briefly about kind of where you grew up and then actually what got you to St. Lawrence University. Well, I was uh, born and raised in uh, Flint, Michigan, which was a kind of small city in Michigan that many people had not heard of prior to the water problem a year or so ago. But um, uh, one of uh, four children, um, my parents were both born and raised in Flint, Michigan. Um, and I probably had a uh, just pretty normal Midwestern uh, upbringing. My father was a lawyer in, a, in Flint. My mother was a stay-at-home mom with four kids under the age of, uh, you know, born within six years of, of one another. And, um, you know, we just lived a pretty normal normal life, you know, going to school and playing in the neighborhood with the, with the neighborhood kids. Um, uh, things kind of changed for me maybe a little bit when I, I went away to boarding school when I was in high school. And I think my parents um, sort of had a sense that, um, the future, Flint's future might not be for me what it had been for my grandparents and my parents, and I went away to boarding school outside of uh, Detroit. Uh, and from there, um, you know, and had a great experience uh, living away from, from home and, and, and going to a, and having a great uh, educational opportunity at, at boarding school. Uh, and when college uh, kind of came around, boy, it was a whole lot different then than it is now. But um, you know, the, the process of uh, kind of going where to go to college was me sitting down with the kind of guidance people, and we looked at a half a dozen places, and I got into all of them. And St. Lawrence was uh, was one that uh, was a size that fit. And um, having kind of grown up in Michigan, upstate New York, and winters weren't uh, a concern uh, for me, and that's where I ended up. And what, was, what did you study there? Um, well, I studied uh, economics and, and political science uh, with a little bit of environmental studies. Um, look, as I will tell you, as a you know, 18, 19, 20-year-old, I really had no idea what I intended to do with the rest of my life. I, I marvel at today at expectations of kids of a similar age who somehow are supposed to know those things. But you know, I went to a, to a school that got a good liberal arts education and and I took it from there. Got it. So let's go back to, so you graduated in St. Lawrence in 1979, which is northern, I believe it's northern part of New York State. And how did you end up at Columbia? Well, um, I left St. Lawrence. I, I met a girl when I was a freshman at St. Lawrence uh, from Long Island, um, who is my wife of 35 years today. And um, so I moved to Manhattan uh, to be with this girl and had a um, 
you know, a job in, in New York. Um, and shortly after my arrival in New York, uh, you know, thought about an MBA. I actually thought about getting my MBA when I was at St. Lawrence and had sat for the GMATs there. Uh, and, and applied to Columbia uh, while I was living and working in Manhattan. I was fortunate uh, to be accepted there and, and started roughly, I don't know, 18 months or two years after uh, I graduated from St. Lawrence. And what's interesting with that school, I was, it's got such an amazing history. And for kicks, I was going back trying to see people that graduated the same year as you. And that I had trouble doing, but there were huge names. Who would have known, right, at the time? In 1980, uh, James Keyes, Vikram Pandit, right? One ran Blockbuster, one ran Citigroup. After you, I think in 87 was Jim Gorman, who ran Morgan Stanley. And actually, 82, which was your graduating class, was the guy that became, it was Robert Bennett, became CEO of Liberty Media Group. How, how big was the class size, like the MBA program? How big was it then? I, I, you know, I had no idea what the class size was back then, frankly. Um, uh, but uh, there's obviously a lot of people um, living and working in Manhattan for whom Columbia is a you know a great opportunity um, to stay in New York and then you know research, rematriculate sort of back into the business world of New York and I'm I'm not surprised at all with the success that uh, many of my classmates have had. Yeah, it's a long, uh, a long, a long list. So you you graduate from there in '82 and then. Where did you go from there? Uh, well, while one of the benefits of going to Columbia um, was the, the the number of executives that would come through school literally on a daily basis from every type of industry. Um, and uh, you know, part of what I did was made sure that I attended every one of these sort of afternoon sessions where people would come in and talk about you know, everything, advertising, marketing, consulting, banking, construction processes, um, computer science, you know, you name it. And it was just a phenomenal exposure to uh, an awful lot of different people in a lot of different industries. And a lot of real estate people came through. Uh, and I was really drawn to those folks who would come into Columbia and talk to the, the students about what was going on in the real estate business. Uh, and uh, essentially applied for jobs really only in the real estate space um, coming out. Now, some of them were with big life insurance companies like Aetna and then in you know banks in uh, New York City. But um, I also applied for a job and um, accepted a job from the Continental Illinois National Bank, which was based here in Chicago, um, which at the time was a top five money center bank and had a real estate department that was – you know, again, one of the just the top handful of of real estate uh, banks that was doing all sorts of things across the uh, the real estate industry. So it was a phenomenal opportunity for me, the 26 year old with an MBA, to um, get married and move to Chicago and and start my real estate career at the Continental Illinois National Bank. And then, how did you you were there for I think six years, eight years? Is that right? Uh, I was uh, at the bank for about four years um, okay. and had a you know just an unbelievable experience um, participating in transactions across multiple asset classes, across uh, multiple geographies, across different places. <clears throat> excuse me, in the capital stack, um, and after four years. Um, 
left there to go work for a, a, a Chicago-based company that was in the mortgage banking business um, oh. and spent uh, four years originating um, kind of whole loans for companies like Aetna and State Farm and some other life insurance companies. So doing long-term fixed-rate whole loans uh, on uh, office properties, industrial property, retail properties, et cetera, uh, throughout uh, Chicago land on behalf of this, um, these uh, lenders that, the, that this particular company represented. Gotcha. And then, obviously, you started, I believe, actually, then you ended up with Sanzel at Equity Group Investments in 1990. Is that right? Yes. One of the uh, people that I worked for when I was at the Continental Bank, um, who uh, handled the uh, the Zell relationship at the bank, um, and at that time, Sam was a, a legal lending limit borrower at the Continental Bank, um, and his business was run by this, this woman at the bank who subsequently left Continental um, to go work for Sam and essentially be his treasurer, if you will, or his, someone who was uh, uh, responsible in sort of raising capital for Sam. So when I was at, at this uh, local firm doing whole loans, I would call on her to try and originate uh, permanent loans out of the Zelle real estate portfolio. Uh, and then in the uh, sort of the liquidity crisis in the late, uh, late 80s, early 90s, um, when the banking relationships that Sam had uh, began to have to reduce exposure uh, to Sam. Um, this particular person, Pat McGahan, hired me to come work for Sam to help expand uh, their, their uh, uh, financing relationships because, again, because of the liquidity crisis, they could no longer just rely on the handful or the stable of, of lenders that they had relied on for uh, uh, many, many years. So. Uh, I joined Sam in uh, in 1990, uh, just about 27 years ago this week, uh, as kind of a, an in-house mortgage banker, if you will. So if there was a an office property, a retail property, an apartment property that needed a long-term sort of fixed-rate conventional sort of mortgage loan, uh, I'd be the guy that would handle that financing. And and the company at that point in time when you look at where it was on its maturity growth, did it feel more like a startup or something more mature, or what was the environment like? Well, um, it was a very entrepreneurial place to work at the time. Um, um, it was in the very early stages of Sam raising um, funds for investment in real estate uh, through what was called the Zell Merrill Lynch Opportunity Funds. Uh, and um, real estate had really taken a beating. Uh, banks were sitting on a lot of uh, REO uh, and were disposing of that at material discounts to replacement costs. And Sam raised a series of funds with institutional investors to acquire these assets. Um, and I mean, it was just a, we were just blowing and going. Um, and it was an extraordinarily exciting place to be, very entrepreneurial. Um, we just, you know, living and working in, in Sam's world. It was just, a, it was just a blast to be a finance guy in Sam's world um, through the early 1990s. So you go from there, and obviously you talk about 27 years this week. So congratulations. You were SVP of finance for a while. You then became uh, an EVP and CFO in '95, 2004. You had a year of corporate strategy, and then from there. Uh, I think it was 2006, became President and Chief Executive Officer. So it's quite a career, actually. So when you look at that and, and, and you look how you got through that and the things you learned, you know, people are always curious about, and I am too, is about did you have mentors? So you go back to the very, very beginning, even with Continental, and, and have you had people that you've relied on all the way through all those years that have 
um, either inspired you or provided advice or people you fall back to for career advice? And, and if you have, who are they and, and what was that like? Well, I guess um, uh, at the Continental Bank, um, which had a um, you know, process by which every single year they'd hire 10 or 12 new MBAs, I mean, every single year there was just a process of bringing these people in and training them and exposing them and, and developing them. And, and uh, there was sort of a rotational process there by which I'd work in the single family home building area for a while and then the work done um, you know, on the JMB account for a while and just ex exposed you to all sorts of different things. And every single one of those rotational periods, there was someone who took an interest in me. Um, and and just really looked after me, helped me, challenged me, and and made sure I was um, developing to my full potential. And so, not one of those people um, uh, continued to be a mentor, if you will, but they they just took an interest in me while I was working for them, and I will never forget that. And then, of course, the the woman Pat McGahan, who came over from the Continental Bank, the work for Sam, and who subsequently hired me, uh, was very impactful uh, on my my career. So Sam, look, I've worked for Sam for 27 years. I mean, he has obviously had a, uh, a big impact and been very influential in, in my career and in, in, in challenging me and giving me opportunity and sometimes, you know, enough rope to either hang myself or succeed. And, and um, you know, I just I can't thank him enough for the opportunities he's given me and for um, um, just helping me along the way. Um, but there was probably one person who I've, has been important to me from the beginning, and this is a guy by the name of Jim Harper, who, had, who was running the real estate department at Continental Bank at the time. And while I did not have much direct exposure to Jim while at Continental, he's, I certainly knew who he was, and my hope he knew who I was at the time. Um, but when EQR went public in 1993, um, Jim joined our board. Uh, and so uh, we sort of reconnected at that point in time. And throughout his tenure on the board uh, and beyond, uh, Jim has been a, been a terrific mentor to me and uh, you know, his wise counsel. Um, and to Jim's credit, I can tell you that there are a dozen uh, ex-continental people, which we lovingly refer to as ex-cons out there in the world, that would tell you too that Jim Harper has been uh, an unbelievable mentor um, to him, that's to them, and that they, Jim lives now, he's you know, in his 80s and lives in Oregon, and I still hear stories about people going to visit Jim and seeing Jim uh, in Oregon and, you know, spending a few days at his, uh, at his farm out there. Um, but he was just a terrific guy and really helped guided me through this going public in 1993 and the rapid growth that we experienced and really did, and not just me. I mean, I know he helped, Sammy helped the entire board. He was a leading voice on our board as we're taking this company of 22,000 units in, in August of 1993 and being 230,000 units by the year 2000 um, and, you know, building this company um, and building everything from from just the operational sort of platform to the governance to you know every everything we we were doing, Jim played a, an extremely important role, um, and I'm just you know very grateful for the support that he gave me along the way. So let's keep going down that path, and I I noticed on your website you have a quote, which is a great quote by the way, which is "Luck is when preparation meets opportunity," which I think is dead on, and. We had some big transitions. So going back again, you're talking about going public when you were running finance in 93, CFO in 95, and of course later in 2006, president and CEO. How do you prepare for those roles? Like in advance of that, you didn't know you were going to get those roles. You might have known from the succession planning. I'm not necessarily sure. But 
you know, when you talk about preparing to be a CFO or preparing to be a CEO of a large company, how do you do that? Well, I guess there's probably a roadmap to that, to that today in a large company. Um, you know, there's a treasury department. There's a you know an accounting department uh, where they're probably in a large corporation today. Some sort of normal path. Um, this was anything but when you're an eight hundred million dollar enterprise company being spun out of this highly entrepreneurial um, world run by Sam, and then being a you know what was a forty billion dollar company um, a couple of years ago before we did our, did our big distribution, and and I don't think there was a path. Um, I think that um, you know people have demonstrated that they were you know adaptable and agile and willing to take on new responsibilities and sort of figure them out and and uh, demonstrated good judgment and good instincts. Um, were given more opportunity and you know had a had a, a path that was sort of made available to them. But believe me, there was no planning going on um, when we took EQR public to sort of. To, you know, be a CEO. Uh, however, many years later, I mean, in many respects, we're we're building the airplane while we're flying it. Um, <laughs> and you know, and and I, look, I, I was in the right place at the right time. I tell you, just timing has an awful lot to do to do with this. Right? I'm a I'm a mid 30s guy with a very good foundation in real estate from the from the bank. I've been working in Sam's world for for a couple of years, and all of a sudden, the modern REIT era dawns, and Sam is a um, you know, jumps on it and, and is the founder of it, and I'm, you know, sitting there. Um, and, you know, I was extraordinarily fortunate to be at that place at that time with the skill set that I developed uh, at the bank and um, just the opportunities that were thrown my way. And it's really, it's really interesting. So let me, let me go now more a little bit just forward-looking overall about, you know, what do you see happening within the industry today and the opportunities in the marketplace? And this is from the perspective of, you know, people looking, trying to elevate themselves or grow themselves in some fashion and be, you know, better real estate people. But can you, can you talk about that? Look, there's, there's a lot of opportunity in this, in this world today in, in real estate. I mean, it remains, uh, you know, at some levels, like what we do, uh, big sort of national stuff, but, you know, right down to local. And, and I, I have a about a dozen young people that I spend time with on the phone and have breakfast with occasionally that are in different sort of spaces, one of whom now is working for a guy who's you know, has raised some, some money from some institutions, and they're buying some multifamily, and they'll buy a couple hundred million dollars of multifamily this year. And a, another guy who's, who's doing finance for one of the big, one of the big uh, brokerage houses. And you know, just, I think there's an awful lot of, and continues to be an awful lot of opportunity um, in, the, in the real estate space. You could come work for a big company and kind of have a, you know, a career path in something like equity residential. There's a lot of entrepreneurial opportunities uh, on the ground if you're willing to roll up your sleeve and kind of do, if you want to do acquisitions and asset management and oversee <laughs> property management. And uh, I think it's a, a very interesting and, and, and very fun um, uh, space for people to play in. Now, it's not the sexy new economy, uh, and I can understand why people are talking about their own startups and, you know, trying to do things down, down, that, down that path. But it, people who are interested in real estate and interested in working with really interesting people uh, with physical sort of product, I think there continues to be great opportunity in all aspects of the, of the real estate space. And where do you, as a company, find people? 
Like, do you, is it certain? When you look at graduate level people, or is it certain schools or locations, or do you tend to hire people more with some experience and bring them in, or is it all of the above? Uh, we don't do college level sort of recruiting away from our property management business. There are a, there are a couple of universities that do have dedicated property management degrees, uh, Virginia Tech being one. And so, from our property management business, we will we will specifically go and recruit people out of that out of that uh, program. Um, everywhere else, um, we're really looking for people with experience. Um, you know, people who have had a little bit of acquisition experience or um, some treasury experience or sort of what have you. We, we're just not, each one of our functions, even though we're a, kind of a large company just in terms of, of asset value and enterprise value, um, off, the, off the, the property level, we're not that big a company. Um, each of our sort of areas um, uh, just does not require enough people where we're actively sort of hiring and having the same kind of um, you know, incoming class that I had experienced when I was Continental Bank, where we'd you know, train people and move people around and give them sort of rotational experiences, et cetera, et cetera. So um, you know, every one of us, uh, my guys, they, they know the people out there in the business, their competitors, their peers. They go to the National Multi-Housing Council meetings, and, and we're always on the look for you know, good talent. And, and when we have, have openings, um, can often you know, make, a, make a few calls and see if people would be interested in coming over. But we don't, we don't do a, a traditional sort of recruiting on, on campus kind of uh, recruiting anywhere outside of the property management business. Yeah, I think that's true for most people regardless of asset class, right? For the most part, ignoring industrial, which is sort of obviously a different animal. So it, it's interesting actually. And the other part too you think about, you're right, I mean the growth of the REITs in the 90s was just huge, right? And then you sort of turn the corner in between uh, shifts and balance sheets, whether dispositions or acquisitions, and, and things are quieted. Right? It's actually surprising at some level that given what's going on with some of the market caps going on, there hasn't been more activity. But clearly when there's sort of less movement, there's, there's less opportunity for individuals to they get those chances to try something different, right? Certainly in the U.S., I think. Do you agree with that? Well, one of the problems that I think we see in our business today is, because, is that um, – uh, when I think back about 1993, when I w was first here, is I had a, a really great all-around experience. Um, and right now, as we sort of, as, as people who come into EQR will generally become more specialists in a certain area. Um, and I'll, you know, we're not, we probably do, do not develop today the all-around athlete that I think that uh, that that we did 20 sort of years ago when when we were a smaller smaller company. Um, uh, people just become more specialists. They're acquisition people, they're development people, they're asset management people, they're property management people, and um, it's very hard to kind of cross train um, because we just have so much work within each area of, of specialization that um, you know the good people there tend to tend to sort of sort of stay there. Um, so I mean, I, I encourage people interested in the space today to just uh, you know try and get as much experience as they possibly can, and not to not to to go too narrow too early as they think about their careers. So where do you think the CEOs of the future for our space come from? Do you think there's any certain you know, specific disciplines more likely, or does it really just depend? Well, I think the CEOs of the big public space. Um, um, you know, cream will rise across all these businesses, and, and these these people will get more responsibilities. Um, 
So, and I mean, they'll they'll be able to, I think, develop um, skills. Uh, a handful of people will have opportunities to, to develop more skills. I think what we're so. Uh, I mean, every these companies are now mature enough and seasoned enough that they're thinking about succession in a manner that that real estate people probably didn't 20 or 30 years ago. I, I'm I'm quite certain of that. And identifying talent and and thinking about leadership uh, and and the skill sets people need to sort of be leaders. And you get to a point here where your your area of special specialization is sort of le as less important as your ability to lead and ability to think strategically. Um, and um, you know, I think people who who in which companies sort of see that potential have the are focused on them and will give them the opportunity to uh, develop those skills. That's kind of in line with what you said earlier too, and I asked you about you know how do you prepare and what you said is you 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 have the ability to figure stuff out. So part of it I think probably early in your career because of the diversity of activities, you you gain a level of confidence in your own skills that you can figure it out. And obviously you've got the competency to look and analyze stuff that you haven't done before and do the same. And in a way I think this is what you're kind of saying about the CEO of the future, whoever it is, it's about leadership and strategy skills and analytical skills and having the means to navigate these large organizations today to whatever direction they need to go in, right? To, whether it's public right. for shareholder return or whatever it may be. Absolutely. So let's go back. You're, you're going to give yourself advice uh, early in your career from what you know now. And you go back when you were getting out of Columbia and starting with Continental. And, and what advice would you have given yourself today? Um, I, I'm, I'm just network, network, network. I, I just can't stress enough the importance of uh, expanding one's network, uh, getting involved in local sort of associations, and you know, in the real estate associations, etc. Uh, be involved in your community, and 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 just really. One one of my problems is I'm a real introvert, uh, and I and I. I wish that I had probably done more of that when I was younger, um, but things are changing rapidly, uh, and I think that staying in touch with as many people as you can and under understand what they're doing and understand what they're thinking um, will pay off in the long run uh, to allow people to sort of stay on top of things, to stay on top of events, to begin to understand um, how things change and why things change, and you know, and 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 be part of that, and embrace it, and not 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 be not be uh, concerned or or um, uh, terrified by the change, but rather to embrace it and and uh, uh, be and 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 be excited about it. Um, but I just I just think that these networking just is demonstrated by things like LinkedIn, et cetera. I mean, I just that that is what what people. Um, need to be doing uh, as they think not just about to be social, but as they think about their careers, um, to call on people like me. Don't don't hesitate to you know call people and ask for advice and ask ask for counsel and to and ask for an introduction. Um, I think that's probably one of the most important pieces of advice that I could give. And how, by the way, I'm also an introvert, so I can I can relate. Um, how many people reach out to you like that that are at different points in their career that you don't know and, and are looking for advice? Does it happen very often? Uh, I, I, my kids are 30 and 32. So between the friends of my children and the children of my friends, um, probably not a week goes by where I'm not asked to have a cup of coffee or have a lunch or a breakfast with someone who's looking for some direction, some help, some advice. And, and I can never say no. 
I tell you, it's, I think it's one of my most important responsibilities at this at this point in my career. Oh, it's interesting, actually. I think it's probably the same way for a lot of us. And how do you get back in some way in, in the ways and opportunities that that we had um, that we had as well? Are there people today that you would say you you look and admire that you don't know? Uh, well, within uh, within the space, um, I, I think that uh, you know Debbie Cafaro is a is a, a very dear friend, but someone I hold in in very high regard. Um, she's certainly an irresistible force, um, who's done an unbelievable job um, since she joined Ventus fifteen or so years ago. Um, and I'm also just very interested in Prologis and the job that uh, Hamid has done there, and the just building this global uh, platform. Uh, very impressive what uh, what they've done on the, at uh, at uh, Prologis. But like, I hold all my peers in, in high regard. Um, uh, this is it's not easy, kind of what we do. Um, it's uh, it's uh, a lot of responsibility to lead these big organizations, and and I hold everybody in, in high regard. But I think think what uh, both Debbie and Hamid have done have been uh, very impressive. I don't, I don't disagree. Well, we're we're out of time. I greatly appreciate your time, and I want to thank GPG Advisors for sponsoring this. But David, it was great, and um, I really appreciate it. And hope our paths cross again. Thank you, Scott. It's my pleasure. I appreciate uh, you asking me to be to participate today. Thank you, Dave. You bet. Talk to you.